1: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts.
2: Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Wednesday. May 23rd, let's cock-a-doodle do it, it is Roto Experts in the morning, right here in the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez, they call me speeds and spitting statistician. As always, we got the King Scott Angle, we got a good show, we're going to be joined by Jake Sealy, of course, in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to have Colin Drew breaking down a little bit of PGA action for us this upcoming weekend. Hey, Scott, how
3: you doing? Did you miss me yesterday? Of course, I missed you. You know, spitting statistician. It's uh, it's a little less lively without you around.
2: Hey, we try to keep it live. You know, we got to be here early in the morning and getting people ready to win their leagues and win that cash. Because it is so early in the morning, you may not have heard stunning, shocking, moving-the-needle news in fantasy football and football uh, that kind of came out last night. It seems like Los Angeles Chargers, tight end, Hunter Henry in a non contact drill went down, and it looks like unfortunately he has torn his ACL, which will make him out for the entire 2018 season. Scott, this is a this is a big blow and to be quite honest, I'm just sad for the kid. You know, he's been under uh, Antonio Gates for a couple of years and everybody, everybody, far and wide was predicting this to be a big time breakout for Hunter Henry. I remember even on Monday we were talking about the tight end position a little bit. Jake was saying how he's in his top four. We all loved Hunter Henry and he goes down with the season ending Knee injury, big blow
3: for the Chargers, huh? Yeah, but a huge loss uh, for early fantasy players in Dynasty Leagues. Uh, this guy was going to be a top four tight end this year. You never want to see this get hurt, but if it's going to happen, I think as a fantasy player, you'd rather see it happen in May than to happen in August or September.
2: Yeah, I agree with that, Scott. At least now, you know, he's just off your board in redraft leagues, right? And, and and to be quite honest, I think in dynasty leagues, it creates potentially an opportunity. I used to do this all the time in dynasty leagues. Later on, uh, depending on your format, right, and what kind of penalty you have for where you draft them, sometimes drafting the guy who's on the shelf later in the, in the draft, knowing you could just keep him and get him at a better value for next year if you want is interesting. But let me ask you this. Let's spin it forward, not only the tight end position, Scott, but what does this mean for the Chargers? You know, I call the Chargers a fantasy herd, which means you never know on any given week who's going to pop off. Will it be, you know, Allen? Will it be Gordon? Will it be one of the Williamses? Will it be a Benjamin? Who stands to benefit from kind of the loss of targets at the tight end position? I think it's got to be someone whose last name is Williams, right, Scott?
3: Yeah, but Terrell Williams is not really a possession receiver. What I about think. Mike
2: Williams, though? He's the big body yeah. who could get some yeah. red zone looks. Now, that's uh, what you, I'm talking you gotta, about.
3: You've got to say which Williams you're talking well, about. Well, I, yeah. I said,
2: could it be a man named Williams? I mean, take it however you want. Williams. I know they do. That, that was yeah. why, I, you know, it was a little bit of a joke, Scott. But at the same time, I think it could be Mike Williams. I mean, this is a guy who missed all, most of the last year. had to back the kid out of Clemson. He's the big body kind of ex-red zone guy, no?
3: Yeah, I think I agree with it. That you know, that's good analysis. Good point by you, uh, Mike Williams, with the injury last year. Never really got into a rhythm of, with the offense. By the t- time he came back, he was just so far behind. And you know, now he gets an opportunity to come to camp and go through a full training camp, et cetera. And you know, this is a big target who's got great great body control. Is uh, really uh, really very difficult to cover in the in the end zone area. And, you know, I think that's where Hunter Henry was probably going to pick up a lot of opportunities. So I think it definitely boosts the outlook of Mike Williams for sure. You know, they want to throw to him on key passing downs. Uh, The guy can make spectacular catches, Uh, even in a standard like a non-PPR. I think I'm excited. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I agree. And listen, to be quite honest, a couple of years ago, everyone
2: talks about how Deshaun Watson beat Alabama in the national title game. Go look in that second half. Mike Williams making contested catch after contested catch. That's what you need at the next level. He might be the guy. Listen, one quick other question, Scott. I don't know if this is crazy or not, but you know, on social media, kind of the reaction was like, oh no, down goes Hunter Henry and almost in the next breath, right? Does this open the windows potentially for a return of Antonio Gates, or has that ship sailed?
3: I, I could see it potentially happening because there's really not anything out there on the free agent list, and you know, every every we've already had the NFL draft, so mm-hmm. I could potentially see it. But from a fantasy perspective, what are you going to get out of Gates at this point? So I think you know, you, you saying something about Mike Williams, I think was the way to go. Okay, so we'll keep an eye out
2: on that. Listen, the Chargers are still, you know, in essence, I know Henry – was projected to be a beast. But the Chargers still have plenty of options for Phillip Rivers. And I tell you, Scott, I love what's going on with that defense in Los Angeles. I am personally very high still on the Los Angeles Chargers. Maybe, you know, in a couple of weeks when we start doing maybe our division-by-division division previews, things of that nature, I might shock some people with how far into uh, January I think the Chargers will still be able to play. We'll talk about football and stuff like that a little bit more in the 8 o'clock hour when we're joined by the All-In kid but I got some catching up to do Scott I don't know how much of these things you talked about yesterday but um, might the second base position for the Seattle Mariners be cursed you know I mean Robinson Cano gets popped for the PEDs breaks his hand and now D Gordon also onto the DL uh, we hear Mitch Haniger, you know he's not on the DL but also got banged up Gene Segura getting banged up a little bit what's going on with the infirmary that is the Seattle Mariners
3: Fortunately, this doesn't seem to be a major injury, and for fantasy players, that's that's a sigh of relief because D. Gordon, the best uh, base dealer that you would want to draft in fantasy football, i fantasy baseball. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. uh, he's got a fractured toe, but purportedly it's only a minor fracture, and he may not. Yeah, uh, he probably will be back right when he's ready to come off the DL. He might be ready to come off the DL before the 10 days are up. But, you know, of course, he's not going to come off before the 10 days are up. But they're not expecting him to miss more than a minimum 10 days right now.
2: All right. And then um, another thing that I think is very interesting, and this is a theme we've been talking about for a while on this show, you know, we talked about, Scott, I think we had a poll question also up here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We had, like, who was the most impressive rookie, right? A couple of days ago, we were talking about Gliber Torres, who continues to be on fire. We talked about, um, you know, Acuna. We talked about Otani. But not to be outdone, more kids continue to be doing their thing, Scott. I mean, Austin Meadows goes yard again. It's not like Polanco is really helping. Helping to keep him out of the lineup that much. We got um, who else? Who else did it? Uh, in Tampa, this new Willie Adams comes goes yard in his first day. Um, more, you know, Ozzy Albers goes yard again last night. These kids continue to prove that they belong and they are excelling. And we're now seeing this all over the majors. Scott, I, I threw out a couple of rookies in Tampa, in Atlanta, you know, with Pittsburgh. This is really now becoming a um, a trend that these kids can handle the show.
3: Yeah, Meadows uh, was in the minors for a while, dealt with some injuries, but now he's up. He's homered two nights in a row. I don't think you're going to see that much power from him consistently, but he will have the occasional power. Tyler O'Neal started again yesterday. Uh, they're finding ways to get him in the lineup. Adamus came up, and uh, p- the word is that he's probably not going to be up for more than a few days. He did homer off a Chris Sale, which is very impressive, but mm-hmm. he's not been able to get a hit otherwise. And he just might be up for a little bit of a view and then go back. But we'll probably see him again later this year. So probably not the last we've seen of Adamus.
2: Yeah, I would say so. I know Mike Florio, one of my fantasy best friends forever, was very high on the kid. But, I mean, I'm just thinking in general, Scott, does this, how does, does this change the way you're thinking um, moving forward? I mean, so many of these kids come up and are producing right away. Usually, to be honest, it, one of my fantasy rules of thumb is I like to see it before I invest in it, you know, is – is that kind of changing? Are you more likely, if there's some highly touted kid coming up, to maybe try to get ahead of the game, spend more on your fab budget for him and insert him maybe in your starting lineup right away? Do you have to see it less to believe it these days? Because all these kids are showing that they could make it happen right away.
3: You can't afford to take a wait until you see it and wait wait until you see it approach when it comes to picking these guys up. Because fantasy baseball players are the most savvy fantasy sports players in it is any a fantasy daily marathon, marathon. It comes it is not a when it comes to when it comes to seasonal, the average fantasy baseball player is just more knowledgeable than any other fantasy sports player in my estimation because they know just about everything that's going on, and they know who these kids are. They do their research. They work hard, so they know when these guys come up that they have to bid for them, and you know, you saw Juan Soto go for over $400 in, in Tout Wars this week, mm-hmm. and you can check out more analysis on that at com. but... Everybody knows who these kids are. They're going to bid for them. Whether you want to put them in your lineup once you get them, you can play a wait and see approach, but you can't play a wait and see approach in terms of trying to get them on your roster.
2: Yeah. So, you know, as these things come along, when you start hearing about these highly touted guys, you need to jump on them early. Um, and, you know, here on Roto Experts in the morning, Scott Engel, Jake Seeley. Your boy, the spitting statistician. Everybody at rotoexperts.com will let you know who these guys are as they are coming up. Scott, I thought, you know, I thought there was an interesting game, a 1 0 final in Milwaukee. The Brewers go 11 games over 500. Not much offense to speak of in this game, but here's what I think is important. I think the Brewers may have finally settled in on their formula, okay? The starter can go five or six innings. You get your guys like Jeffries, or yesterday it was Albers, to get you through the six. But then, once you are in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, you're going Josh Hader for two, and Corey Knable to lock up the save. That was the formula they employed last night against the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think they have a formula. Maybe it can work. Uh, they go 11 games over 500. The back end
3: of that bullpen,
2: very formidable, Scott
3: oh yeah I mean haters just like maybe the best setup guy in the game right now even Andrew Uh, Miller I know Miller's not really uh, healthy these days yeah but you're talking about a guy who's like can face six and strike out six you know, he's his just such stuff is just off the charts right now. And then you got Kenabele, who got his second save in two mm-hmm. days, coming off the DL. And the Brewers are now the first team to 30 wins this season. And they've been dealing with some injuries too. You know, Eric Thames probably not coming back from the DL. And uh, right. but Jesus Aguilar has really heated up in his place recently.
2: Yeah, Jesus Aguilar. I, I, I uh, tried to get him as soon as Times Tim's went down a few uh, a few weeks ago and I got outbid me and my man Nando Defino co-managing a team we got outbid by jesus for jesus aguilar but you know they keep on rolling and if they uh, can turn it into a six inning game with that offense that they do have um look out for the brewers they may hang around a lot longer than some people expect and keep it interesting in the nl central scott i gotta ask you i gotta ask you about these tampa bay rays real quick okay and yeah you know, they they had their game, and that's one thing, you know, but that's not necessarily what I want to ask you about, okay? Um, the Tampa Bay Rays, they lose to the Red Sox 4-2 to in Tampa, but Jake Faria uh, has a little bit of an oblique issue. And here's my question for you, Scott. We've talked about this. You know they went from only having four fifths of a normal rotation to only having three fifths of a normal starting rotation. If Faria goes down and Archer and Snell are kind of the last people standing, what do they do in this rotation? They can't have three out of every five days be bullpen days, can they, Scott?
3: No, I think you know maybe they'll go to Yarborough or somebody else there, but But, you know, I'm not getting an indication yet that the injury is major, but you never know with oblique injuries. So you just have to keep an eye on this. I think three out of five bullpen days is just stretching it too much because even if you throw Sergio Romo for one inning, you have to have somebody stretch out to pitch the next four or five. Right. One of these guys, you know, and it's cute to have Romo
2: start, right? And only go an inning or an inning and a third, like it's the all-star game. But at one of these guys, you're absolutely right, are going to take the bulk of the innings, right? A guy, you know, I think about a guy like um, back in the day, Scott, I'm a, I'm, you know, continuing to be a homer. But uh, dating myself, a guy like Ramiro Mendoza, you know, who was able to do anything for your squad. He could start, he could come in for three innings, he could give you at the back end. You know, guys like Adam Warren right now for the Yankees. But this is a guy, maybe Yarbo, if he's the guy who's going to take that four and two-thirds kind of chunk, he can't do that two out of every five days, you know. And I hear you, Scott, on the idea that maybe this far injury is not that bad. We don't know if he's going to miss a start or not. But because they're doing it in this bullpen way, they have to plan for this days in advance, you know. They can't use up all these bullpen day guys and then be saddled with not having a starter even if it's uh, you know, on Sunday, let's say. So this is this takes extra planning for on the Rays start. They may have to call someone up.
3: Yeah, but you know, when they're doing this though, it's a tactical thing to throw off, you know, the opposition if they're going to pitch the pitch the, the, the bullpen guy one inning, you still have to have guys stretch out like starters, and like you said, you know, you need versatile types who can, you know, sort of vacillate between the, the, the bullpen and and starting.
2: Yeah, you absolutely do. <clears throat> so maybe they will uh, take a look at that. It's still very interesting the way the Rays are approaching it. Um, Scott, I also wanted to ask you because we talked about when you, know, when you interviewed um, – Justin smoke last week. He talked about some changes in his swing, things of that nature. And I wanted to talk to you about this Cleveland, uh, Chicago game. The Cleveland Indians put up a 10 spot. Yonder Alonso has a good game. He goes three for four with three RBIs, and I'm reminded of it because last year Yonder Alonso was one of these guys who purposely made a dramatic shift in terms of his launch angle. He was a guy who was purposely trying to get the ball in the air, I think had a career best in terms of home runs last year, and that was with Oakland. Now, he is with Cleveland having a good game. This is another one of those guys Really, maybe making mechanical changes in their swing, evolving into this three true outcomes launch angle world that we now live in. Do you buy yonder Alonso?
3: I was talking, to, you know, a former major league general manager for my Roto Experts uh, Insider series in the preseason. Mm-hmm. He was saying that, you know, he didn't believe in Alonso, that. Uh, you know that the batting average was going to go down, and you know that's exactly what we've seen. You know it's all the rage right now to uh you know change the launch angle. That's what it, Daniel Murphy did, and then mm-hmm. he part of it. Josh Donaldson, Ryan, Ryan Zimmerman, and Ryan Zimmerman had that great year. Miguel mm-hmm. Rojas. uh You know, I was talking to him yesterday. You know, he changes launch angle. He's lifting the ball more. But with Yonder Alonso, the pop is there because he also, what he did, just more than that, like he, he had Carlos Beltran review some of his video, and that helped him too. So he did a lot of things. The power is going to be there. I don't think the average is going to be there.
2: All right, fair enough. So if you need one of those guys that could be bopping, you're not worried about the average. It seems like there's a lot of guys like that these days. Consider Yondo Alonso one of them. When we come back, we continue digging into Major League Baseball. Get you ready for DFS today as well. It's Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: Psst. Hey, yo, over here. You want to win DFS? And you want it for just one dollar? I got Daily Roto here. Now, why do you want it? Two of the guys behind it have won a million dollars. It's not just about the writers. Not one, not two, but three subscribers have won a million dollars, too. That's five millionaires. Five, count them. And it's not counting the $100,000 winners, too. They talk about it in the Slack channel. But why is it a dollar right now? Special price for the month of May. Yeah, if you don't like it, then walk away. If you love it and you're winning, keep going. Do I use it? How do you think I afford my massive tracksuit collection? Come on, look at the glitter on this. It's beautiful. You can sort your stats, add your own weights, read articles, distinguish between slates on FanDuel and DraftKings. You gotta go to dailyrodo.com and enter code One Dollar. I may just be a creepy guy in a random alley inside your head, but I know what I'm talking about. That's dailyrodo.com. code One Dollar. That's it. One. One Dollar. One month, and start winning.
2: Welcome back. It is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the king, Scott Engel, getting you up in the morning, getting you ready for everything in the fantasy world. If you want to join the show, there's so many ways that you can join the show. First of all, you could always holler at us at 844-843-6879. Our boy Chris Bavona, the manimal down there in the fantasy pit of misery, will take good care of you. You could always follow us on Twitter. You can get me at Spittin' Speeds. You could find Scott at X. Sometimes we pull up the polls for you to contribute. You could also play in our Roto Cleo game. Call me now and make your predictions of an offensive player or a pitcher who's gonna do work scott i wasn't on the show yesterday but jake reminded me to get my roto cleo picks in and for the first time ever i hit with both my offensive and my pitcher last night i had kenley jansen to get the save which cashed for me and i went conservative i had trey turner to get a hit and he did work he now i think has hits uh, multiple hits in something like four straight games so i'm catching up to you we will uh Look at some of those stats a little bit later on. But remember, if you want to co- join the show, the number to call is 844-843-6879. Uh, Scott, you know, you, uh, you know, you're a man about town. Sometimes you, you get good interviews with some of the players. Last week we were talking about Kevin Pilar. We are talking about Justin Smoke. We bring on all the guests. We're going to have Colin Drew a little bit later on in this show. You had a chance to sit down and chat a little bit with Lewis Brinson of the Miami Marlins. And I say this because, Scott, you know, you give everybody kind of the royal bump, the royal treatment. They start to perform well after uh, interviewing you, or being interviewed by you. And Lewis Brinson, uh, you know, he can stand maybe a little bit of the royal bump right now. He's only down to 160, but he told you a little bit about how he is kind of still learning from some of the veterans on the squad. I know he mentioned Cameron Mabin and others. Tell us a little bit about, what are we going to hear from Lewis Brinson in this interview that uh, you did with him recently.
3: Well, Lewis Brinson, you'll hear about a little bit. He's been growing up in Fort Lauderdale and actually being like a a true Marlins fan, which is very interesting. And uh, you know, he talks about growing up in Fort Lauderdale. Then we get into uh, you know his struggles so far. But you know, we felt he's been really good defensively, and you felt the King effect last night in the field. Because he hasn't been able to hit, uh, it looked like Michael Conforta was going to get off, away with a double off the top of the wall, and he robbed it last night. You know, Brinson is uh, is definitely in there for his defense right now, if nothing else.
2: Okay, okay. So let's hear about that. You know, you talk about being a hometown kid. I'm reminded again. You know, I love the Yankees, Scott. You know, like Dylan Betances used to be a bleacher creature in the I right field I wasn't
3: aware of that. No.
2: Yeah, no. Uh, about that. I'm a Yankee fan, or about Betances.
3: But you were a Yankee fan. I never kind of got that drift. Yesterday, yeah. when you weren't here, yesterday I said you no were Yankee away. talk. At, at no the, Yankee talk. I, I said that that you were away at the Bobby Abreu alumni retreat. <clears throat> boom, boom, boom. Let me hear yeah. you say
2: Abreu, Abreu. Um, but I digress. You know, there's no shortage of hometown fans. Lewis Brinson among them. Uh, let's hear a little bit of uh, it straight from the horse's mouth. This is the King Scott Angle with
3: Miami Marlins Lewis Brinson. Scott Engel here with Lewis Brinton of the Marlins. Uh, Lewis, you're originally from Fort Lauderdale. What was your reaction when you were traded to the Marlins about going home to play? And uh, what's it
4: like, you know, playing in South Florida where you're from? Uh, It's awesome. Um, You know, I was initially, you know, very excited uh, when I first found out I was getting getting traded here. Um, You know, it's a very exciting time. Uh, I grew up loving the Marlins, grew up. Going to games and you know watching them on TV and and watching them in person. So you know getting to play for my hometown team in front of my fan, my hometown fans and fam- family and friends and everything is uh, literally a dream come true for me.
3: Who were some of your favorite Marlins growing up?
4: Uh, Juan Pierre was my favorite Marlin. Um, I think Derek Lee. Um, you know pretty much every everybody. Uh, for me, uh, you know growing up, you know in that. In that uh, you know that era, so to speak, Um, you know Luis Castillo, uh, can name probably the whole starting lineup from like 2002 to 2003. Um, But I just liked watching them, like how they played. uh, Pudge Rodriguez got to meet him uh, when I was with the Rangers, so you know it was a lot of great players that uh, had favorite players on that team.
3: What are your favorite some Fort Lauderdale bars? One of our guys back at the office says Blondies. I say Lulu's Bay Shack.
4: I like uh, Brews Room, not Brews Room, uh, what's that called, Bow Campers okay. in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, I like Bow Campers. Yeah, it's a nice atmosphere right on the water right there. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Go watch some football with some guys there, so it's it's a fun spot to go.
3: Also, uh, you know what's your favorite chain down there? I lean towards Pollo Tropical.
4: Pollo oh, Tropical is a good one. Yeah. Um, Chipotle, probably. I mean, Chipotle is everywhere, but um, I think Chipotle, especially in the off season, when, once I get done with the workout, I go eat Chipotle right away. Do
3: you have a big green uh, plastic Flanagan's cup somewhere? No, I don't.
4: <laughs> I do not. I do not. No. <laughs> Okay, let's
3: talk some baseball now. Uh, Looking at your minor league stats, you were a high average, high OBP guy and was a 2020 guy. Cameron Maben, similar kind of minor league track record. Is Cameron like sort of taking you under his wing? And uh, what has he taught you about life in the majors and maybe helping you get to those kind of uh, numerical goals in the majors?
4: Um, You know, yeah, I think so. Uh, Cam has been a big asset to me and everybody on the team. Uh, But especially me being a young, you know, African-American outfielder, Um, you know, him coming up with the same kind of, you know, expectations in his belt coming up uh, when he was younger. Um, You know, he's definitely taken me under his wing, taught me a lot about, you know, just being, uh, you know, being humble. You know, don't let, uh, you know, a few bad games or a bad start get to you. Um, You know, just keep keep being uh, headstrong and just, you know, just keep going every day. Um, so I'm very, uh, very happy they signed them in the offseason.
3: Do you pay attention much to the numbers and all the an- analytics? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. I'll get to you shortly, my friend. How are you? Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you. So, you uh... That's my friend, Justin Boer. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, do you pay attention much to the numbers? Like a guy like Justin Bohr at least does for football. Uh, your batting average on balls in play is 280, uh, which is below, which 200 When the league average is like 280. Uh, do you feel like you've just been unlucky so far?
4: Um, you know, the past couple games, I think so. Um, you know, I've definitely felt a lot better uh, at the plate. You know, definitely a slow start. Not the start I was hoping for, but, um, you know, you can't pay attention to the numbers. I, I really try not to pay attention to numbers. If you pay attention to numbers, um, you know, it's good when you're going good. You pay attention to them. But, you know, when you're going bad, you know, you try not to try to, you know, kind of focus on your work and what you've been doing in the cage. So, no, I'm not really too focused on all that, no. So what are you
3: doing right now to work through things? Because, like, the first full year in the majors, obviously, there's some challenges, you know, uh, you know, video, et cetera. You know, you're working on anything mechanically, you know, maybe get
4: out of this? Um, no, I'm, I mean, I yeah, uh, I try not to think about mechanics too much. Uh, definitely video studying pitchers. You know, starting to face some pitchers for the second, second, third time around. Um, so starting to learn what they're trying to do to me, and you know uh, what their what teams are plan is for me. Um, you know, just taking that into perspective, and you know, being ready for that every day. Um, but not worrying about too much mechanics. Just you know, keep swinging it, keep swinging it hard, and you know, hopefully they'll start falling for me.
3: Defensively, though, like you, maybe you're not aware of the metrics. You're in the majors. You have the most putouts mm-hmm. at your position. The best range factor. Is that something that you take pride on? And you know, trying to maybe become one of the better defenders in the game. And obviously, you have to, uh, you know, cover spacious ground
4: there at home. Yeah. No. Definitely. I take pride. I've always taken pride in my defense. Um, that's been you know from the get go. I've always taken pride in my defense, and you know I want to win a bunch of gold gloves one day. So, um, you know, for me, that's a you know great stat for me. You know, I've always taken pride in that, and to hear that, you know, that uh, makes me very proud. It's a lot of hard work, and you know, a lot of uh, you know time in the outfield. I wasn't always I was always fast, but I wasn't always good at uh, taking good routes. So, you know, it's taken a lot of work and a lot of uh, you know hard work in the offseason trying to get my feet right and. Everything but it, it you know it, it uh comes with the territory. I'm out there for a reason, I'm out there to make put out get put outs and you know, keep the defense on the field as less time as possible. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm doing my job out there.
3: Last one for you. Uh, not that you know how it works or you've played it, but mm-hmm. when people are gonna start saying to you, Hey Lewis, I have you on my fantasy right. baseball team. Do you take that as a compliment it's almost like the modern day equivalent of being on a baseball card when people yeah. draft you in fantasy baseball
4: oh definitely definitely um you know definitely a compliment i know a bunch of my friends have them have me on their fantasy team and stuff so it did uh it's an it's an honor um you know now i saw myself in a video game for the first time that was uh yeah that was uh that was fun but seeing myself on you know fantasy baseball and you know um you know people people kind of uh taking pride in that you know it's pretty cool like i said Lewis, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Here you
2: have it, Lewis Brinson with the King Scott Angle. Scott, very good interview. I uh, I was really intrigued by how he acknowledges. Listen, he was always fast, but that doesn't necessarily make you a good fielder. You know, it's not just pure speed. It's angles. It's anticipation. It's scouting reports. A lot goes into being able to contribute defensively for a kid like that, right?
3: Yeah, and you know that's the reason why he's in the majors right now because of his mm-hmm. defense. He's Unfortunately, he's overmatched at the plate right now, and he might not get that opportunity anywhere but else but Miami right now because they they can afford to. They they feel like he's you know their guy of the future, et cetera. You know, more players might be moved. You know, Bohr might be gone. Real Muto might be gone. Right. Ziegler might be gone. But you know they're with this kid for the long term, and it was funny to have Justin Bohr audio bomb us uh, yeah. as well. You know, he walked up and said, what are you guys talking fantasy? You know, because <laughs> knows me, but fantasy right. was the second audio bomb of the week. It's like we've had Chris Owings and Justin Bohr audio bomb. And then I thought it was it was real interesting, you know, him talking about uh, Mabin and not only just having a veteran take him on the other wing, but him being a young African-American player. And uh, you know, it, it's saying that that uh Mabin has shown him the way in the majors not only on the field but off the field. Mabin is known as one of the best clubhouse guys and one of the the best with the media in the entire majors. And, you know, when I approached Brinton he was already very approachable, very engaging, you know, and that's how exactly how Cameron Maben is. So I could see Cameron Mabin rubbing rubbing off on him but you know, to be candid when you you know, there's just there's not a lot of African American baseball players anymore. So mm-hmm. I you know, I, I, it makes me curious, you know, what else has he said to him, what else have they talked about, you know, being in that position in the game because, you know, you have you have large throngs of Latin players and stuff Absolutely. like that. So him being able to say, Okay, look, you know, there you know, there may not be too many of us but we have to we have to adjust and get along and that's good for team chemistry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You make a good point, Scott. I don't know if you know this, but in a former life, you know, I was I've always been in kind of like youth work, and education. I used to work for an organization called Harlem RBI, RBI standing for Reviving Baseball in Inner Cities, looking to address that exact gap that you talk about. But, Scott, you know, it's interesting. You did a little bit of a tour around Fort Lauderdale asking about all the hot spots. Lewis Princeton's only, like, 23 years old. You were asking him about bars. Maybe he doesn't have extensive knowledge just yet.
3: The kid has only been able to drink for a couple of years, Scott. Oh, He mentioned a good one, bowl campers. That's a great place to go watch football. It's... uh. <laughs> You know, it's you know, I've I've actually been there myself. But it, to me, it's most interesting to hear about to him talking about, uh, you know, having to adjust with the fact that he's just off to a terrible start. He's hitting yeah. 160 right now, and now we get guys to sent to the minors on a lot of other ball clubs. But in the in the minors, uh, like like I let off at the top of the interview, it's you know, he's a 2020 guy. You know, this is this right. was a five tool guy. So with the Marlins, he can afford. To maybe learn on the job, because look, the Marlins are like last in slugging right. percentage, home runs, runs scored. You know they're not they're not about mm-hmm. winning right now. It's it's really yep. about the future. Justin Bohr will tell you otherwise when we hear from him tomorrow. But you know he could learn he can learn on the job here. Fantasy players just have to be patient with him because you know, eventually this power there's speed etc you know this is almost like a miniature version of Byron Buxton where he's going to struggle with batting average for a while but right. the tools are very very much there
2: yeah so hopefully it does in fact click for him at the major league level offensively you mentioned Justin Bohr. we will hear your your uh, time talk with Justin Bohr tomorrow here on Roto Experts in the Morning. But check this out, Scott. If you want a chance, like you might, because you know, you hobnob with players, you're at the stadium. So you might be able to go to a 2018 World Series game. But if you, the listener, want a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game, go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. Take a crack at playing free fantasy baseball DFS style. Okay, you can play every day. Totally free and the contests are sponsored by DKMS who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. We've been collaborating with DKMS for a while now, letting you know how easy it is. You swab your cheeks, you send it back, and if you are a match, you could really help someone struggling with this disease that is blood cancer. I'm not talking about in the fantasy world, in fantasy sports, in real life. You can be a real life hero. Go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS to find out how you could help eradicate blood cancer. And you get a shot at winning two tickets to the 2018 World Series. Scott, one or two more games I really want to quickly touch on before we hit the break. Cincinnati... Uh, You know, they take out the Pirates, 7-2, to in the Great American Small Park last night. Scooter Jeanette with six RBIs. I mean, Jeanette now is slugging 528, much higher than I thought. I would love it if you give me uh, how viable is he. Do we believe that's sustainable? And also, uh, Matt Harvey, with a nice start, gets five strikeouts, his first quality start of the season down there in Cincinnati.
3: Yeah, and... Actually, I don't think Cincinnati's down there. Isn't it kind of like a cross?
2: Well, it all depends on your – remember, we're a national show, but maybe if you're listening up in Canada, if you're Gabe Morrency, it's down in Cincinnati.
3: Good call. W-K-R-P, baby. I like how how you uh, move the parameters there. That's right. You always tell me you don't want it to be just a New
2: York focus, you know?
3: Yeah, just Jeanette is is a guy that we saw it last year. Obviously, there's going to be some regression, but he's certainly for real. He's gotten the opportunity since and he's made the most of it. Harvey, uh, you know, with his one of his best starts of the year, he was hitting 96 uh, early in the game, but Mm -hmm. uh, the long ball is going to continue to bite him. Uh, He threw a ball up in Colin Moran's eyes and he just took out of the yard. But, you know, Harvey has to continue to pitch well because the general manager of the Reds came out last week and said, you know, we might be looking to flip him. That, uh, you know, they're trying to think about the future. He's a trade chip, So if he wants to end up on a contender, he's got to continue to pitch well.
2: Yeah, in essence, he is auditioning for uh, 20, maybe not 29 other clubs, but 28. Other clubs that could potentially use him. We're going to be maybe, right maybe, back. Maybe, maybe, pay like, some bills. maybe like
3: five or seven.
2: Maybe five. Fine. Dane yeah. and Scott, Roto Experts in the morning. Come on right back. We talk closers.
0: Hey, I'm Jeff. Look, I'm just a skeleton. I don't have an ACL anymore. But i still like to know what it means when one of my fantasy players sprains his. That's why I use the Inside Injuries app. It was created by real doctors. So you're getting information directly from people who have seen, touched, and operated on actual ACLs. Take it from me a skeleton. If you aren't using it, you might as well just be guessing. Download the free app today and unlock the secrets of injury analysis.
2: Get your freak on. <laughs> Here are Roto Experts in the morning. <laughs> a little Missy Elliott to get you up and ready to go. If you listen to the Fantasy Sports Network, you know I don't need eggs. I don't need prayer. Jake exposed that I need a little bit of cantaloupe. But we are all right. We're getting it going. Scott is certainly loving it. Scott, you a Missy Elliott? Is not this
3: is, is this the chick that wears a trash bag in a video? Um. Yes. Missy Elliott. Yes.
2: Missy Elliott. Um, I,
3: I, I, I call it a, the trash bag girl. The trash bag girl,
2: uh, you know, yeah. I don't know if the Elliot family all right. is, uh is intrigued by that, but yeah, sure. Okay. Look, she but wore saying, it. okay, she's gotta own it. You you make I, I listen, I think she has no problem owning it per se. Um, but uh, tell us how you really feel about Missy Elliot a little bit. Scott But regardless,
3: no, hers, her, hers, her stuff is catchy.
2: I like it, it is certainly catchy. She's I'll take her any, these... I'll take
3: over. I'll take over P Diddy any day of the week.
2: Fair enough and interesting. You mentioned P Diddy. Uh, I will say last thing on this is Missy Elliott is actually one of those kind of like um ghost producers for a lot yeah. of other artists. She uh kind of is a woman behind the scenes in a lot of other hip hop uh areas. But I digress, Scott. Yeah, we got well, a lot to do here. I'm. Okay. I'm
3: sorry, but you know, well, don't you, apologize. Just like when the, when the, when the subject P Diddy comes up, it's like. Missy Elliott, I can enjoy her music. I just don't think that P. Diddy is that talented as a rapper.
2: No, he's not a rapper. He's a producer. Okay, yeah. he's a producer. That's where yeah. it goes. That's where his go, talents go lie. Go produce, yes. Go there produce. you go. I, I, I understand. I do not disagree with you. Scott, it is The Wednesday. thing that bothers
3: me the most about him is he does nothing that's original. You know, like he rips everything. Yeah, it's a lot of it.
2: samples and stuff like that. Yeah. And now the kids these days don't even know what the samples are from. You know what I mean? Because if it didn't happen in the last three years, they don't know about it. But, Scott, this is the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Let's talk a little fantasy baseball. Let's talk about some closers. I tell you on Wednesdays, we do this every week. George Kurtz puts out a great article every week on RotoExperts.com. It is the mark of fantasy excellence. And we're talking about, you know, the closers. And and this is kind of a revolving door. There's a lot of opportunity here for you to get some saves. A couple of places I want to highlight. Um, Kurtz basically agrees with me yesterday. I said, you know, on fantasy freestyle, we talked about it earlier in the week too in Chicago. This is Nate Jones's job moving forward. He gets another save last night, Scott. It looks like the, the, you know, kind of evolution is complete. Do you feel comfortable dropping Joaquin Soria at this point?
3: I already picked up Nate Jones in the Grand up Jones, Tavern right? League this week. Yeah. Uh, made the mm-hmm. mistake of cutting him a few weeks ago in in, in Taut Wars, but you know now I have him as my third closure. He's got three in the last few days. This is a guy uh, you know talking to scouts about him before the season that uh, that they felt that he was ready. It's just a matter of being healthy. He's got the stuff. He's got the mentality. You need that closer mentality. And a few mm-hmm. years ago they tried him with him and they just felt like mentally he wasn't ready yet and he was dealing with injuries. Now he is. you, You have to wonder if the guy becomes a trade target, too.
2: Yeah, a lot of these, you know, we talked about it with Harvey in the last segment. We are starting to get to the time where people are declaring, are they contenders or not? As after we hit Memorial Day, we may start to see some moves, and teams will obviously want to augment their bullpen. Nate Jones may be a candidate for that, because it's not like the White Sox are going anywhere. I want to ask you about the closing situation in Baltimore. We all know that Zach Britton is kind of making progress. I want to compare him, Scott, up against who we mentioned earlier in the show, Corey Knable, right? Because we talked about how even when he gets back into the fray and back up on the big league roster, they still kind of work him in. You know, Knable had a few um, lower leverage situations. He's finally now about a week after he's back on the roster, back it kind of looks like as that closer role and back-to-back days, things of that nature. When Britain comes back, I mean, he threw simulated games, batting practice. It looks like he's going to go on a rehab stint in A starting next week. How long do you think it takes for a guy like him to work back into shape and actually be the guy who gets saves for the Orioles over, say, uh, you know, Brock or others when it was O'Day for a, a hot second as well? How long does it take... You know, when do you actually think Britain will be in that role?
3: It's hard because everybody's bodies heals differently, et cetera. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. got different DNA. This is what I've learned about injuries over the year. But I usually give it about a week or so, uh, generally for you know, a guy to where I want to put him back in the lineup and maybe he's back in high-leverage situations. But how much does he stay in high-leverage situations for the Orioles? Because, you know, the Orioles are going to be sellers uh, towards Mm. the trade deadline. Another trade chip, Machado, Britain's a big trade chip for them. Uh, They could just go back to Brad Brock if they keep him to get the saves or even Darren O'Day when he's healthy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. If you're a team that's uh, only going to win 60 games and you think about maybe only at most two-thirds of them are even close games, right? Do you really need a closer if you're not in those high leverage situations to lock in those games? So Britain can be someone on the move. Scott, I know you say sometimes Yahoo percentages aren't, you know, ownership or not maybe to go by, but he's only 49% owned, Scott, in Yahoo leagues. That means you can go out and get them. If you're eating breakfast right now at the diner, with your friend one of you are in a league where you can go on and get britain right now stash him and then in about a month you'll be getting some saves here's one yeah, reason ask you, why that so happens
3: I, is uh is that you know a lot of uh you know the players in the public leagues will cut guys when they're injured and i think right. I, you know, I, I think spots things of that nature. yeah yeah like yeah look no, no offense to yahoo it's uh you know, they do a nice job with their public leagues. But if you want to get a really good read on what the serious player is doing, I think uh, you have to look at com ownership because those are a lot more paid leagues and a lot more serious players, I think.
2: Got you. Uh, so, But it is worth the check, Scott. Go on and see if he's oh, yeah. If he's available, stash him right now. Look, if you're playing in a public
3: league and you've got dead teams and yeah. you need saves and somebody made the mistake of cutting them, you know, go after it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Scott, the last situation is that I want to ask you about It's one that we've talked about ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks, and it's up. Maybe I can say up north because of where we are, relatively speaking, but it's up in Toronto. We talk about it. You know, Clippard gets another save. um, But the question I really want to ask you is, as it relates to their former closer, Roberto Ozuna, I mean, the Jays have kind of extended this administrative leave again, but... But, Scott, they're doing it kind of like week by week. You know, the leave was going to be until May 21st. They extended until May 28th. His kind of like hearing or whatever isn't until June. With them doing this kind of week to week, could there be a universe where they're like, oh. His leave is over, and he's back into the closer role. You know, I, I think it's interesting that they is not saying, like, he's going to be gone for X amount of time. They just continue to kick the can down the road on a week-to-week basis. Do you? Do, is there a universe where he's just back sooner than we might think?
3: I don't know, because at some point, baseball is going to step in and do something here. you got to uh, think so, but it baseball... hasn't happened yet. Yeah, but he's still not back on the mound yet either. So... Sure. So I I treat this almost like an injury where a guy is out indefinitely. And, you know, Clippert got the second save last night since he's been out. There won't be a whole lot of save opportunities. I've been you know, talking to Gregor Chisholm of MLB.com last week when the Blue Jays were in town, though. He still thinks Ryan Tapero is going to share it with Klippert. It's not going to totally be Clipper. I think, you know, talking to some people in Towers, they were saying, you know, I'm waiting to find out who gets the next save. So Clippert has two. Right now it could seem like that, but Tapera can go out and get the save tonight, depending on the situation and the matchup and you know what they feel they want to do there so uh yeah this is this is a fluid situation yeah, but i'm not expect I'm just treating it like I'm not expecting to see Roberto as soon anytime soon.
2: Yeah, that's probably best. I mean, because it is so fluid, because there is still the potential committee, and because we don't know the timeline on Osuna, I would avoid this situation unless you are absolutely starving for saves. But my man, George Kurtz, gives a team-by-team breakdown. He does it every Tuesday over on RotoExperts.com. Check it out. It is, in fact, the mark of fantasy excellence. Hey, Scott, real quick, we go on over to DailyRoto.com as well to think a little bit about DFS today on a Wednesday. know, the top starters tonight, you know, you got a Jacob DeGrom, you got a David Price. I'm interested a little bit, Scott, by Chris Archer tonight. And let me, uh, me kind of sell you on why. I was talking to Mike Florio yesterday, one of my fantasy best friends forever. We were talking about this Tampa Bay rotation, you know, the bullpen day, the Sergio Romo starting and all this stuff. And one point that he made that I thought was interesting is because you have all these bullpen days going on, might the Tampa Bay Rays push Snell, push uh, Archer to go a little bit longer in games and preserve their bullpen? And if so, might that make Archer a more attractive option because you know he's going to go the route and potentially get a quality start? I'm intrigued by Archer tonight.
3: I would say concept, yes. But okay. there's no way I'm rolling out Chris Archer against that Red Sox lineup. It's just, <laughs> it, it's it's not happening. It's not <laughs> happening. Archer's been a little bit up and down this year, and they, that's just way too fearsome of a matchup for me to bother with. If you want to go contrarian with it, fine. It's uh, it's you know, last night Lance Lynn was the contrarian play, and he worked mm-hmm. out. But Chris, I I'm just avoiding the Red Sox. You got it, fundamentally, you just got to look at the opponent, and mm-hmm. uh yeah, I, I don't want any part of that.
2: Yeah, no, I hear you. The Red Sox are, in fact, mashing. um, So you may want to stay away from that. Maybe uh, our guy Jake will go back to the J.D. Martinez as well. We shall see. Chris Archer does go tonight against David Price. And, uh, you know, you look to Vegas. The Red Sox are minus 135 favorites on the road. So, Scott, if it's not... Archer, um, I told you about DeGrom probably at the top of the food chain for tonight. You got Maeda tonight. You got, you know, Alex Cobb for Baltimore tonight as a cheap yeah, option. Where are you going? Who do you like tonight? Maybe who might yeah, you be uh, using a little Roto-Cleo on tonight?
3: Yeah, I think I got to go with David Price. You know, the the, the to- mm-hmm. total Toronto lineup has a career batting average of 160 you mean Tampa? against him. Yeah, uh, Tampa? the total Tampa Bay uh, okay. lineup has a career overall 160 against him, although you don't look too much as bad a pitcher. But he always pitches well against his former team. And we were we were talking to Ian Brown yesterday of MLB, uh, oh, yeah. MLB.com, who covers the Red Sox. And uh, yeah, Price really pitched well last night. Had excellent command last time out. Always pitches well against Tampa Bay, it seems, especially when he goes back there. So definitely about David Price tonight. Jacob DeGrom is just so chalked tonight. Going right. against the Marlins, who, like I mentioned, like last in home runs, last in slug right. percentage, last in runs scored. But, uh, you know, everybody's going to have him. And, you know, if you've got to veer in another direction, you know, I have to go Price.
2: Yeah, I hear that. DeGrom will likely be the chalk in DFS tonight. He may, in fact, also be the chalk in Roto-Cleo. We'll find out about that in an hour. You know Jake likes to go safe sometimes. But if you want to find out to get yourself ready for DFS today on a Wednesday, May 23rd, go on over to DailyRoto.com. Drew Dinkmeyer and the crew over there, they make millionaires. That is what they do. You could be one. Go on over to DailyRoto.com. And also, if you enter the promo code $1. 1- okay you could get 30 days of access to all their premium stuff um you know they really do good work over there we're also going to have colin drew in in the next hour talking a little bit of dfs just a different sport they got it all covered you know it doesn't matter if you're playing dfs baseball golf or wnba for god's sakes because the cash is still king um Scotty, I had one other thing I wanted to quickly mention to you. When we were talking about the closers, I don't know if you saw this, Scott. Washington Nationals closer, Sean Doolittle, over the weekend, he was one of the first relievers to use the uh, the bullpen carts. Okay, you know, back in the day, I remember, you know, again, the Yankees, Dave Rigetti coming in on a pinstripe convertible. They had the bullpen card, stuff like that. Doolittle used it last weekend. He gave it high ratings. He said he got to the mound quicker, was able to finish all his warm up with time to spare, kind of relaxed. He said there's a practical application. Scott, I mean, we're talking about uh, pace of play and the time of games. Why don't they mandate this? Why don't they mandate making everybody use the cart there to speed up the game a little bit for – uh? Uh, you know, moves to the bullpen.
3: Yeah, go back to tradition, man. When I was a little kid going to chase, remember that? It was awesome. I used to I used to love seeing yeah. the bullpen card in and it looked like a big baseball hat. The baseball wheels. one, yeah. Yeah. That those were the best. I, I, I used to want to buy replica ones when I was a kid. Those were the best. And then they went to just, you know, driving the guys in from like Chevrolets from the outfield. Right. you know, there was advertising sort of there. Sure. It's uh but you know, I, I miss those kind of things. They make baseball fun. It's like I remember when Willie Mays came exactly. back with the Mets. They, they brought him in in the outfield in a, in a San Francisco trolley, and he jumped out of the trolley. And I was like six years old, and I thought it was like the coolest thing that I ever saw. So I think it adds something to the, an entertainment factor to the game. You know, baseball mm-hmm. is a slow game. And they game. need that. It's a slow yeah, game. To, Kids are leaving To a lot of people. Yeah, kids. Kids don't like baseball generally, you know. They go in the NBA.
2: Is, the NBA, I think,
3: recently maybe even surpassed
2: Major League Baseball as the number two sport in America, given like things like ratings and some of these other interest factors, especially from the younger demographics, Scott.
3: Yeah, kids just think it's a boring game, whether they're playing it or they're watching it. So you need to do something to speed it up, to make it more entertaining, to make a day at the ballpark just more entertaining. Look, my son, you know is. Him and his friends are in college and you know they, they they've liked baseball when they were young, but they're more the exception exception than the rule. Right. Absolutely.
2: Right. Hey, uh, Chris Bavona, let's put up a poll. I want fantasy fantasy radio and Roto-Experts. We are asking you out there on Roto-Experts in the morning, should Major League Baseball almost mandate the bullpen cart as a pace of play and fan engagement strategy? I think the options could be just straight up yes or no, unless, Scott, you think there is a third option. Um, should we mandate the bringing back the bullpen cart for nostalgia, for pace of play, for fan engagement? Let's put that up um, – Chris, we could chat about it over the break here, but let's put that poll up there. Yet another way fans can interact with the show here. Roto Experts in the Morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Coming up, we are completing our number one, but that means we roll into our number two, which features our guy, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. We're going to talk a little bit more about this Hunter Henry injury. We'll see if he agrees with Scott and I that maybe the person who stands to benefit is uh, Mike Williams in that offense we'll talk about some other uh, football kind of news and notes that are going on new kickoff rules as well we'll see if there's any impact there and then remember we also have colin drew in in our 820 segment we're going to talk a little pga golf and a little dfs get you guys ready for uh as pga continues to slide into texas Uh, This week All that and more We'll update our Roto Clio stats A lot going on Hour number two Of Roto Experts in the Morning Coming right back here On the award winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network
1: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Tuned in to the Roto Experts.
2: Welcome back to Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician, the King, Scott Angle, and as always, when the clock strikes eight, we welcome the all-in kid Jake Seely. How you doing, Jake? Did you miss me yesterday?
5: Uh, not too much. That's okay. That's all right. I'm still here.
2: That's fine. We're off
3: to a rip roaring, snotty start this morning.
2: That's all right. That's all right. He's maybe a little bit upset because I uh, closed the gap a little bit on him in Roto oh. Clio. JD Martinez, uh, he went to the well a little one too many times, but we'll get into that later on. Jake, we got to start with this kind of late last night. Maybe there are people waking up right now who do not know yet. Um, Hunter Henry. Non-contact, goes down during drills, looks like he's torn his ACL, and he will be out for the 2018 NFL season. Huge blow. We were talking about this guy as a top four tight end. Some people even had him inside that top three. A huge, huge blow. Jake, earlier on in the show... Scott and I were talking about who stands to maybe potentially benefit from this, and the person I thought of, Scott agrees, is maybe Mike Williams is that big body wide receiver who could get a little bit of extra targets, maybe some red zone looks. I mean, one, Jake, what is this for Hunter Henry, fantasy owners, and the Chargers, and then is there any silver linings for any Chargers players in fantasy because of this?
5: Well, for Hunter Henry, it's over. I mean, there's nothing there. I mean, the the owners are screwed. If you already drafted this earlier, if you're in one of those MFL 10s, there's nothing you could do about it. It's not like he's going to come back and you have any hope, so there's nothing you could do. Uh, For the other side of it, no, you know what? I I disagree because I was already on Mike Williams to begin with. Mike Williams... People forgot about already. People forgot about the fact that he was a top draft pick. People forgot that he was in the conversation as the best wide receiver in the draft last year. I'm not saying you guys did. I'm just saying people forgot about him. I was taking him in the 10th, 11th, 12th round of all my drafts so far. So the person that benefits... It's Tyrell Williams because now Tyrell Williams still has value because Mike Williams was going to take over as the number two this year. He was way too talented, way too good to have what happened with last year not be with like the, his career path. He was going to step on the field, put everything together this year. Now he's healthy. Now he's 100%. He's got a year under his belt uh, with practices mainly because that's really all he could do with Philip Rivers, that he was going to take over as the number two and Tyrell Williams was going to lose his value. Well, so now Tyrell Williams can stay in that number three role. So where you're right, I think it was the fact he already had the value. So I disagree in a way, and I think it's Tyrell who gets to keep his value.
3: I think think it's more of a case that it kind of seals the deal that I like Williams even more than I did, you know, to your point. It's like I actually picked him up and stashed him for when he was going to come back last year. And I'm in agreement with you, Jake. I just think that this even seals the deal more and maybe gives him more upside because they were going to go to Hentry a lot near the goal line. And now Mike Williams is going to, to me more opportunity now than there possibly been. I, I liked him, like, like you said, but I think this even boosts the outlook because I don't know if I can depend on Tyrell Williams on a week-to-week basis.
2: Yeah, let me ask you guys this. You know, Jake, you started off by saying, you know, it's done, right? And that's obviously the redraft leagues. What about in dynasty leagues? I mentioned to Scott last year, I mean, last hour, I always make it a habit in my dynasty drafts to late. I mean, it depends obviously on your format and what kind of penalties you pay, whether it's draft picks or escalation or whatever the case may be. But is he now someone who you would, in a dynasty league, target in the lower rounds, not even for the 2018 season, but in essence for the 2019 season, and carry him an entire year? Or are you not a fan of that kind of strategy?
5: Mm, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of this strategy just because I still want to win this year. Like okay. I'm not trying to. If, if I can, but if you can get a top sheet, four tight end locked in for next year at like a 16th is, round pick, is he? Is he when he comes back? That's the thing. Is uh, you injury so? optimism? No. no, now injury. I'm saying, is he going to be injury optimism? Mm. Is what people always get caught up in. If anything, if I have him and somebody's going to give me that kind of value in a trade, I'll you take him right now off my hands. No problem. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's things, everybody always assumes when people come back, they're just going to be a hundred percent.
3: Yeah, it's injury assumption. You never know one way or the other. You know, nobody expected Jimmy Graham to come back as quickly as he did. Whereas, like it's like I said, everybody. Cruz I've was learned the this all. Sure. Yeah, Victor Cruz was the opposite. Now, you know, those are more Patel tendon injuries, but still, uh, you know, I'm not Doctor A, but you know, everybody. What I do know is talking to former players and people like like Doctor A is that everybody's body deal heals differently, so you can't assume anything. Look at Andrew Luck. You, you know, maybe some quarterbacks would come quick, back quicker for it. Everybody's body is different. Every everybody's injury is is uh you know kind of different when you're talking about the timeline for coming back. That's why to me that's why inside injuries is like very interesting because they've seen a lot of these injuries and they scrape a lot of information from the actual source and then put it into an algorithm and it's very often accurate.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you make guys make a great point. Everybody is different. Take it from a guy who tore his ACL twice, the second time while playing co-ed flag football and continued the game on a torn ACL. That's how strong your boy speeds the spitting statistician is. Jake, I you are very strong.
3: To- you yeah. are very strong, but one yeah. thing, it's like, you know, when 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 the average person you know compares himself to <laughs> a professional athlete. It's very, very different, you know those guys it was a light-hearted get away
2: those Scott.
3: A different level of care, et cetera absolutely, you, you know their bodies are built differently. It's like right now i you know, Jay Bruce has plantar fasciitis. two years I had no, right. I had it I couldn't even I, I was limping all over the place, so yeah a you know, guy it's much the different when a executive. pro athlete. Yeah, It much well, fantasy executive can barely walk to the. He had some plantar know, fasciitis with, as well. Well, let I mean, yeah.
5: Scott. You could actually. I mean, that's there's another example if it depends on the player anyway too. I mean, if you want to talk about that, Jay Bruce is more of the anomaly because if you look at somebody like Jokam Noah in the NBA, I mean, it destroyed his mm. entire season. So it kind of yeah, like, and it was I it was different. really
3: bothering Jed Jerko
5: last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. see, so, yeah, there's another one. See, so, yeah, I think, and that's my point. Yeah. So, yeah, to go back to what we're talking about, this whole Everybody's thing is different. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, Dan. No, absolutely.
2: Hey, Jake, I want to ask you something else. You know, people may not think this is a big deal, but the NFL also came out with new kickoff rules, okay, um, for the 2018 season. You know, we don't have to get into like the two man wedges on the outside and stuff. I think the major change, Jake, is, you know, the kicking team can't have their guys getting a running start. In essence, right? Right. And so maybe that's some force of collisions. Maybe that's they're getting downfield a little bit later so the kickoff returner can get a little bit further upfield. You know, a lot of leagues, it's defense and special teams. Does this change field position, in your opinion, maybe? Uh, Average start position in the NFL have any impact? And or some of these teams who do have, you know, elite kick returners, does this maybe help them even more? Do you see any clear fantasy impacts for special teams or offense in terms of field position?
5: Yeah. So my initial reaction after looking at it, so you 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 mentioned the biggest thing is you can't get that, but also the biggest thing too at the other side is you're pulling the, the offense up. Like you have to have a certain amount of the guys within at right. that, that ten to twenty yard range. And the fact is, you're also you're not allowed to even have contact blocking in the first ten yards, which yeah. I think the the There's a couple things here. For the penalty side of it, I think this is going to cause a lot of problems because that's going to be very hard just to get players to eliminate out of their mind something they do all the time and say, wait, I can't Mm -hmm. touch this guy for the first 10 yards. So I think you're going to get flags there. Also, by pulling up that many players that close to the kickoff, I think you're going to get a lot more people either one-holding, Or two, losing their blocks, and then you're going to – this is why I don't think the field position is going to be affected that much. I think we might see a greater increase in the – back to the Devin Hesters of the world where you actually see kick returns taken to the house. But if you think about it, how long can you feasibly hold the block for in the NFL before you start holding, especially if you're doing it on a kickoff where you you have 10 guys trying to run around and avoid you? I think this is going to cause more tackles and less kick returns, actually gaining yards, but you get the increase of the big play. So I don't know how it's going to work. I understand what they're trying to do because it still is the most dangerous play in football. They're trying but, to reduce the force of the wedge, right. in essence, and those collisions and, that happen. And I understand that from both sides of it, but I think this is going to cause a lot of problems. I think the best solution is just, you know what, it, it's not entertaining, but just start it on the 20 or the 25 and just be done with it. Yeah, and
3: also you know, you talk about the big plays, yeah, you know, it, it may it may uh it may improve the offensive field position, like the starting field position, but I think when when guys aren't allowed to go down and gun and hit the guy like at the ten yard line, you know, do we know that it's going to improve the big plays? Because then I feel like more special teams units are gonna lay back and more containment and prevent that big play because they're not allowed to be as aggressive. Well, you know, they could lay back and react more.
2: You know, that's interesting. I mean, Jake, the point you brought up that maybe it doesn't affect field position, but there's more of the home run big plays because of this. Here's my follow-up for you, Jake. You know, some teams like – I never understood the Pittsburgh Steelers put Antonio Brown out there to return kicks sometimes. The Giants, when it comes down to it, they have put Odell Beckham back there. Do you think, you know, the Tyreek Hills of the world, do you think some of these guys now, will teams put out their true game-breaking studs if you think there is a greater potential to find a a seam and go to the house? Might we see more of these actual, you know, know, uh, dynamic guys back there taking a shot at it?
5: I think it depends on the result. I think people are going to want to wait and see what happens here. See how it plays out. Because, you know, the Scott's point, what if they sit back, then, yeah, you do want to take that opportunity because the couples to what I was saying is the fact that if you're going to open up the field and you're not going to be able to, you know, come running down the field to start – and. You know, It gives you the opportunity to get your full head of steam. You get 15 yards behind you before you're even starting to worry about defenders. You might see bigger plays. On the flip side of it, bigger plays might only mean 40 yards because everybody's sitting back. Or you could go back to what I said, and because you have to wait those 10 yards and then you have most of the, the kick returners on their offense standing within that extra 10 yards there, and there's only two guys back with the kick returner, maybe the defenders get through really easily and you're worried about your defender, your, your offensive player still getting blown right. up anyway. So I think the NFL, like that's what my point to go back to the original part, is I, what the NFL is doing might actually cause – more problems than they think they're like. I, I just don't know we're we're going to see the re, until we see the result on the field.
3: Yeah, I I yeah, it's, so, I, I, so. I think too it's like uh, kick returners and you know I don't think this is applying to punts from what I read. Kick returners are generally going to be still 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 be your backup running backs and third and fourth string wide receivers generally for the most part. Unless you just do it. All right, we will we will keep yeah. an eye on that. But, you know, it's Wait, interesting. Wait, did the Steelers use point. Antonio Brown on kickoff returns?
5: Initially, I thought they did. I think They've sure sent initially. him back
2: there. I've seen them send him back there a few yeah. times, yeah. And punt returns, definitely. But on kickoffs as well, a few times, um... So, well, so we will check that out. But to Jake's point, I think the important thing is here we may see a lot of an uptick in penalties because to change behavior of NFL players who are such a creature of habit and routines, and this is not the only change in rules. You know, we talked about kind of the head down and and how they're using that. And they said they're going to make that apply to even, you know, fullbacks blocking and offensive linemen and stuff like that. We may see an influx of these penalties, at, you know, under the guise of player C safety. Jake, I know we don't talk much about um, defensive moves, but I was surprised by a roster move that happened with the Super Bowl champions yesterday. They released their starting linebacker, Michael Kendricks. Um, You know, I was a little bit surprised by this. Jake, can you make any sense of this? Why are they doing that? He was a relatively productive player for them. I mean, he was their starting linebacker. Is this a financial issue, you think?
5: I honestly have no clue. And because we don't yeah. do that much defensive stuff, I don't know. Sure. I, honestly. I, I It I surprised
2: me, good. though. Just, you know, I mean, this yeah. is their starting linebacker. And, uh, you know, hey, I just didn't No, I'm going to be honest. Why. It
5: surprises me, too, because I didn't know about it until you just said it. <laughs> oh, look at me
3: breaking he news hit he a really, He had a really good year last year. But he, he is coming off an ankle injury, but it's not supposed to be major. But, you know, we've seen Eagles before, uh, you know, move on from some defensive players. That have, uh, it's but you know it's, it was in previous regimes. So as I talked this through, I think it's really not applicable. And yeah, uh, yeah, Ray, that certainly raised an eyebrow to me. And you know, yeah. if you're playing in IDP leagues, you know the guy's going to land somewhere else. And well, you because know, certainly the thing be, be, I did see, busy.
5: Scott, is they let they let Warlow go. Warlow, so, Warlo yeah. got injured. I think. Or no,
2: no, that's what it was. Yeah, he tore his. They ACL, let Hendricks so. go, and Warlow got injured. So now yeah, all so, of a sudden, they are in the market for help.
5: Yeah, so that that was the more confusing part to me. Like I knew about the Warlow thing, but when you told me, that's why I said I was surprised by Kendricks, Is how do you let him go after Warlow just tore his ACL? But maybe I think it was I don't the know. reverse. I think they released him like earlier in the day, and oh, then the, the Warlow tore later in the day. I think that's so. A, yeah. yeah, that it might was... be an awkward conversation. Like, hey, uh, is, Kendricks, right? could you come back to the stadium? Come we on just back. <laughs> I mean,
2: listen, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like, Dallas may be doing that with a certain wide receiver. You know, ter- 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 Terrence Williams gets arrested and all that stuff. You know, people ask me, where's the best fit for Des Bryant? My answer is yeah, Dallas, <laughs> you know? So maybe the Seattle. Eagles and Kendricks <laughs> may need to do the same kind of thing. Um, but I did think this was interesting. And, and last thing I want to talk about here before we get, uh, you know, we get Colin Drew coming up a little bit later on in the uh, show. I'm sorry.
3: I'm sorry, uh Real quickly though, ESPN sure. reporting that he was a salary cap casualty. Oh, okay. uh, that so it was They financial. expected, they expected his, his his playing time to dwindle, and that they are not looking. Uh, they're really not looking for for help. It's like his role increased when Jordan Hicks had the had the Achilles injury. Okay, I mean,
2: fair enough, but well, maybe that was be, done yeah. before the Warlow injury. The, yeah, no, no. I,
5: I'm looking at it right now because they have Hicks, Bradham, and Mills, but Warlow was the other linebacker. And now I'm looking at their depth chart, and honestly, Scott, I don't even know two or three of these guys. They need some help at the line, at the second level. They really do.
3: I don't so, think the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles are looking at it that way. That's why they got rid of him.
5: No, but right, what we, we were saying was that was before what happened. Before, right? And then
2: you know the the context changed when you have another kid go. When you have no, someone else. Yeah, but at the, that but, position but the other down. guy
3: the other guy was a pre- part time player though.
2: All right. Well, someone's got to play snaps at linebacker for the Eagles. So we shall see. Real quick, guys, you may have covered this yesterday. OTA is getting started. I think it's very funny that Odell Beckham is there and practicing like a professional. You know, Tom Brady, not there. Gronk, not there. Le'Veon, not there. Julio, not there. Aaron Donald, not there. Um, Clowney, not there. All for their teams. Do any of these matter? Is the combination of Brady and Gronk not playing? Some kind of message to Belichick about Alex Guerrero? and TB12, do any of these things matter or am I just trying to talk football in late May?
5: No, no. The, the, the only thing that matters of all these things, is look for, this, none of this stuff does. Yeah, Brady's been there every year before, but it, none of it matters. The only thing that slightly matters is Brady's not getting the reps with his new wide receiver, mm. Jordan Matthews, and still working with Kenny Britt from last year, maybe slightly for their value. The only overarching one that matters is Odell Beckham because he is taking this right step forward, and he's doing the right thing and being the good student the of professional. the team. And if they don't come back and get a contract done by training camp,
2: Mm-hmm. Now, now we he have has the leverage. He's like, listen, I'm doing my job in good faith. Now it's time for you to do yours. Right. All right. Fair enough. I was also saying I would love it if Aaron Donald had a chance to work on some of those stunts and schemes with Endomic and Sue as well. But I digress. When we come back, we're going to talk PGA DFS. The pros are down in Texas. We're going to find out how we can win some money down there as well. Roto experts in the morning, Dane, Scott, and Jake. Let's go. The fan Control football league is making fantasy football a reality. Like a real-life version of Madden, fans will vote on all personnel decisions and play calls in real time. And what the fan says goes. Visit FCFL.io to learn more. The FCFL, where you're in control. Welcome back. Roto-Experts in the Morning, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you want to join the show... The number to call is 844-843-6879. You can always hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Spittin' Speeds, the king. That's at X. And, of course, you can get Jake Seeley at the all-in kid. we got a poll question up as well if you want to contribute to the show that way. I told you Sean Doolittle liked the bullpen cart. The question is, should MLB almost mandate this in terms of pace of play, in terms of fan engagement, and even a little bit of nostalgia? However, you know, me and Scott were lobbying for this last hour, but 57% of you do not agree at this moment in time and say that should not necessarily be the case. But I digress here because on—hey, Scott, you got to lobby people. I don't know, man. Get on out there and uh, tell people they need to make this happen. But right now, 57% of the people are saying no. We will check in on that, Scott, a little bit later on because you are so incredulous about this. Maybe you can move the needle on this. But it is Wednesday, and so we are joined by our guy Colin Drew over from Daily Roto. We're going to talk a little bit of golf. Last week, he gave you some Kevin Na action. He performed pretty well. This week, the crew is still down in Texas at the Fort Worth Invitational. How are you doing today, uh, Colin? We're still going to talk a little bit more golf,
6: huh? Yeah, yeah, doing good today. A little bit better field this week, so a little bit more excited mm. for the tournament than I was last week. Should be a fun one.
2: All right, so they are still down in Texas this week at the Fort Worth Invitational. Um, does Jordan Spieth continue to get a little bit of uh, home cooking? Does that help him? Do we like him still down in the great state of Texas?
6: Yeah, we we love Spieth this week. Um, one of the things, so this tournament, the Fort Worth Invitational, previously was played as the Dean and DeLuca Invitational. And before that, Crown Plaza. Haven't been able to find a consistent sponsor. So if you're looking for any course history data or things like that, that is definitely something to be aware of. But Spieth has a great track record at this event. Second place finished last year, first the year before that, and second before that. Never outside of the top 20 here. So definitely a really good course history for Spieth here. It's not course history is something in general that we don't value uh, super highly. I think even without that, Spieth is still just the favorite in this field based on his overall skill. We've got him with 25% odds to finish inside of the top five. Um, it's uh, He's been a bit of an enigma this year outside of the top 150 in strokes gained putting. And the worst finish he's ever had on tour in that was 60th, his rookie year. So That's one of the things that can be a little bit volatile with golfers. Um, It's been (laughs) negative for him for a long time this year, but it feels like something that will rebound eventually, and hopefully it will be this week. You can go over to
3: DailyRoto.com, uh, use the code FNTSY for a special discount on their great products, which includes a uh, lineup generator, projections, etc. And uh, how you feel about Ricky Fowler this week? He's $10,400 on DraftKings, Come cheaper than Spieth. And uh, our Matt Rumack on RotoExperts.com uh, uh, doing his preview feels that uh, he has just much upside for $1,000 less.
6: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think Fowler has quite as much upside as Spieth, but you're definitely getting a big uh, discount on him in the pricing department. Um, we like Fowler more than Webb Simpson, who kind of carries the same price. We've got Fowler with 49% odds to finish inside the top 20, and Simpson at just uh, 42%. So both guys are good plays. We would prefer Fowler over Simpson. We think they'll their ownership will be very similar. Uh, I probably prefer Justin Rose just a little bit in tournaments, just because I think he'll be a fraction of a percentage uh, lower owned, and that's, you know, one of the things. But at the top end in this field, you're kind of getting a lot of guys who uh, are priced efficiently as far as how their projections set up with the course, and Fowler's one of those guys. um, that, That kind of fits in there. I think out of that top end, though, we definitely prefer Fowler and Rose over Webb Simpson if you don't want to pay up for Jordan Speed.
5: Uh, Colin, I want to go back to something you said on the first answer, though. So what you say generally you don't value course history that high. Is that all courses? Is there a reason for that? Is it like some understanding for everybody that, why the thought process?
6: Yeah, so I, I think the first thing is the the guys at Data Golf have done a bunch of work on it and found that course history statistically is not that predictive as far as future performance. Uh, there's a lot of variance in golf in general, not just because of the cut, but also because of the volatility of putting, and so – um a a golfer's sort of long term and current form are more predictive of how they're going to do this week than maybe how they've done at this event previously um so i I think you know a great example was you know tiger woods when he first started his comeback like he's going to have great course history at at every course but he's not the same golfer that he was 10 years ago when he was putting up those results and so if you're leaning on that too much then you know you're kind of losing the context of what the field was like um I think the other thing is just that like a lot of times the courses don't have outlier characteristics to them. So some weeks they do, maybe like a a Doral down in Florida is a really long course that might favor Bombers. But for the most part, the top golfers are capable of kind of competing on any of those courses. And so the other piece is, even if you do think course history is predictive and you think it's really valuable, it's priced in for both betting markets and DraftKings pricing. So even if there is like more merit to course history than then we feel, you're not really. It's already priced into the golfers, so you're not getting any discount on that. It's also something that drives ownership heavily because it's one of the easiest things for people to reference. So, uh, because of all of that, I think that a, a good move in fantasy golf is to try to you know avoid maybe some of the uh, mid range guys who have strong course history at a given track.
2: We're talking with uh, Colin Drew here of DailyRoto.com. He does great work over there. Talking about the Fort Worth Invitational. Hey, Colin, you know. You talked about how this Fort Worth Invitational has had many names, is struggling to kind of hold a sponsor. I, um, I also saw that part of this being an Invitational, the field is smaller than a lot of other PGA events. I hear that there's only around 120 golfers in the field this week, as opposed to your normal 150 or 160. Does that um, make this maybe even a better opportunity to play DFS or to bet this week because of the straight, just the size of the field?
6: Um, I, I think for DFS, it definitely does, uh, at maybe not in terms of edge, but at, definitely in terms of entertainment value. So most weeks, you're kind of in in a tournament, in, like on DraftKings, for example, you need to get all six of you guys through the cut in order to be able to contend in that tournament. And you probably need the winner, too. Um, and so in order to get all six of you guys through the cut, most weeks... Um, if you're building rosters you, using kind of our optimal rosters and the odds to make the cut, you're only going to be 13% uh, to get six of six golfers through the cut. And obviously, if, you know, even if you're putting together perfect lineups, you're still most weeks, you're not going to be able to co- contend in a tournament this week the best rosters that we can put together have around 25%. So one in four odds to get six to six guys through the cut. So you're twice as likely this week to be able to have a sweat on the weekend. So even if the edge is kind of the same or, you know, as it is most weeks, I think that the entertainment value that you get out of it is definitely a a good week to be playing fantasy golf.
3: Chesson Hadley is uh, on a nice roll in his last five outings. Uh, How do you like him as more of a value play?
6: Uh, I, I think Hadley's in an, an okay value. He, he slots in as maybe $500 or so over, dollars overpriced. You know, we would like him a little bit more if he was down in that uh, high $7,000 range than we do in the $8,000 range. Uh, the issue with him is more the ownership. Uh, he is on a roll. Uh, he, he's definitely improved from, you know, his play on the web.com last year. And he's putting it together in, in a bunch of the strokes game metrics. Uh, But at that ownership level and price tag in tournaments, we'd rather pivot to someone like Louis Oosteisen. So we have Hadley projected for around 15% ownership and Oosteisen closer to 5% ownership. Oosteisen is a guy that is definitely boom or bust, missed his last two cuts, but had really strong performances at the WGC match play and the Masters. And so we have him rated as more likely to finish inside of the top 20 than Hadley at a third of the ownership. So in tournaments, we'd be looking to pivot off of Hadley onto Oosteisen.
5: All right, so last week with the whole can't lay and he's performed very well, so I'm thinking, tell me if I'm wrong, but that a lot of people might see him, even though the price has gone up a little bit, and say, oh, he's still a good value. Is he somebody that you want to pivot off of? And if so, what are some other names kind of in that price range of the high 8000 low 9000 that you might want to look at?
6: Uh, so I, I think that Patrick Cantlay is definitely still a really strong value. Um, there, there are a bunch of names that should draw ownership and, and are also good, solid plays in this range. One of the things we talk about each week on our podcast is trying to identify where the, the ranges are, where you want to f- um, focus on making pivots and where the ranges are, where the ownership is maybe close enough that it doesn't matter as much. So in that range, we like Cantlay, we like Adam Scott, Brooks Kepka, Matt Kuchar all really solid plays and they're all projecting kind of in the same ownership range somewhere between 16 and 20 percent obviously we could be wrong on some of these guys but we think it's going to be pretty close and we have them projected pretty closely so we, we prefer Cantley and Kepka out of that group but I definitely in, in my tournament lineups I'm going to be kind of mixing and matching those guys with Kucher and Scott and I'll probably be avoiding um, like the Bryson DeChambeau or Jason Duffner or um, Aaron Wise is a guy that Really got priced up off of his win last week. So $9,600 on DraftKings. He is a fade for us on DraftKings this week. His price on FanDuel is a bit more reasonable. And so I think if you want to get exposure to Aaron Wise, then I think you know FanDuel would be the right site to play to get that exposure.
2: Fair enough. Hey, Colin, let me get you out of here on this. We talk about the Fort Worth Invitational. Another thing that I think is interesting is that this course is a par 70, right? So it's a little shorter than some others. I think there's something like 12 or 13 par 4s. And so would you look to par 4 scoring this week as a metric to really key in on? And uh, who might be some of those players who excel there that uh, you might want to grapple?
6: Yeah, we we generally don't look as closely at the par four scoring type metrics just because some of that is, um, I guess, weighed down based on the courses that they might have played. So if a guy played a lot of par fours on easy courses, his par four scoring is going to look really strong versus another guy who's just playing in the the majors and high quality fields. His par four scoring is not going to look quite as strong. But uh, one of the things we are uh, weighing a little bit more heavily this week is strokes gained approach. Like you mentioned, it it is a par 70 there. So there are only two par fives this week instead of the four that there normally are. But it's actually a little bit of a long track as far as a par 70 is concerned. So when you look at the par adjusted distance, it's inside the top 20 longest courses on tour. And it has um, inside the top 15 most narrow fairways at this event, historically, 40% of strokes have been gained on approach compared to a tour average of 35% and just 9% of strokes gained off the tee compared to a tour average of 15%. So that's an area where we're going to be you know, making slight tweaks to you know, any course fit numbers that you might want to look at based on the strokes gained approach numbers carrying a little bit more weight this week.
2: Uh, there you have it. It's Colin Drew right over there on Daily Roto. Uh, Colin, where can we see all of your work? What do you have coming up on the horizon?
6: Yeah, so over at Daily Roto, we got a bunch of stuff going on. We, we have got a free betting blog, so we'll publish a few plays on that later this week. And then if you want access to the projections that DataGolf put together for us over at Daily Roto, um, we've got projections, we've got betting odds, we've got our written qualitative pro tip each week, and then you can get access to the fantasy projections and ownership projections as well. And like Scott mentioned earlier, you can save 10% with the promo FNTSY.
2: Absolutely. Use that promo code FNTSY to get all the information over at DailyRoto.com, whether it is golf, whether it's MLB, it doesn't matter. We help you win your leagues and win that cash. As always, Colin, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us bright and early on a Wednesday morning.
6: Hey, catch you guys next
2: week. All right, sounds good, sounds good. Uh, a couple of things to react to there, Scott. Um, what do you think about, you know, they really like Jordan Spieth, at home cooking. When we talk with Corey Parson at the end of the show, he always says, like, you know, the role players play better at home. Maybe this translates to golf as well, getting a little home cooking. Jordan Spieth, even higher priced than your boy, Ricky Fowler, Scott.
3: Look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know anything about fantasy <laughs> golf, okay? If, if Colin Drew says... He's good at good because he's playing in Texas. I'll lean, I'll lead towards Colin Drew. I don't know anything about home home uh, green advantage when it comes to golf. What I do Straight is up. when I make my lineups every week, I can you go on I over to Daily Road. Guys like like, like Colin. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there when it comes to golf. Fair enough.
2: I like that. A self aware man. I like that. Jake, what'd you take away from anything that uh, Colin said? Are you gonna go? Are you gonna go play some of these uh, lower price guys this week?
5: Uh, I, I, the lineup advice—I don't. I'm not taking anything away from that because I'm like Scott. Whatever he says goes. The only thing I find interesting <laughs> is the. No, seriously. The only thing I find interesting is the the, the, the what they were talking about the course history because, I played like competitive all the way through college. And right. I was a lot more comfortable at certain places. And at my home course, it's just, you know, your home court, like I still mm-hmm. to this day could tell you the layout by the back of my hand or where to avoid stuff and like where you want to hit and where you get aggressive. So I definitely, ag- I, I definitely agree with the home course. I know that he says they have the data where it's not pretty telling, but, I mean, there was courses we hit every single year where I was just more comfortable, like, just set up better for me because I didn't have the best power in the world. I just found that interesting. I know they have the data, so I'm not going to argue against the data. It's just right. that was weird to me as somebody who's been through it, and that's why I asked that question.
3: Yeah, yeah what, and, uh, what okay, Matt Rumack said on Roto Experts last week was, you know, this is not coming from me, this is coming from one of our fantasy golf analyst is that is that he likes speech so much because it was home cooking and they had no past course history to really go on and he was probably playing on that to gain the experience so common sense would say that and you also see it in nascar martin truex jr is uh from Mayetta new jersey and dover is the closest home track to him and he always excels there
5: yeah, yeah goes, you know back to nascar I'm just about
3: to say. Yes,
2: Scott does come back to NASCAR. But, Jake, I agree. You know, as Over well. Or golf, you know. I
3: always do, yes.
2: Taking it, Yeah, but I'm saying, like, taking it to other sports that I've played, you know, I was a center fielder, right, and all the way up to college, and I knew the nooks and crannies of my home field, how the ball would come off the wall, things of that nature. You hear it in college basketball all the time, how, uh, you know, I went to Syracuse, teams coming into the Carrier Dome, it was a different depth perception on the rims, things of that nature, so I'm with you, Jake, I buy the idea of kind of the comfort at home with the familiarity, but, uh, you know, we uh, we can't dispute the data out there, unless our name was David Fisdale, obviously. Hey, guys, one thing I want to let you guys know, listen, if you love drafting your fantasy team, imagine drafting a real professional team. That's what you could do with the Fan Control Football League. They are bringing fantasy sports and Madden franchise mode to a real football field. You can scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, call plays, and more. The FCFL will feature eight teams, and they're playing inside a big-time studio. Great angles, great sound, great data. This is the next generation of Fantasy Football. You get rewarded for dominating through the league's proprietary fan token. So to learn more about fan token and the FCFL, visit FCFL.io. That is a great opportunity for some folks. When we come back here on Roto Experts in the Morning, Scott, you're moving the needle. The poll numbers are changing. We'll check in on that and Roto Clio and what's going on with Carton and friends after us. All that and more when we come back. It is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: I got Daily Roto here. Now, why do you want it? Two of the guys behind it have won a million dollars. It's not just about the writers. Not one, not two, but three subscribers have won a million dollars, too. That's five millionaires. Five, count them. And it's not counting the $100,000 winners, too. They talk about it in the Slack channel. But why is it a dollar right now? Special price for the month of May. Yeah, if you don't like it, then walk away. If you love it and you're winning, keep going. Do I use it? How do you think I afford my massive tracksuit collection? Come on, look at the glitter on this. It's beautiful. You can sort your stats, add your own weights, read articles, distinguish between slates on FanDuel and DraftKings. You got to go to dailyrodo.com and enter code $1. I may just be a creepy guy in a random alley inside your head, but I know what I'm talking about. That's dailyrodo.com. Code $1. That's it. One. $1, one month, and start winning. I don't
2: want to mess with us. You don't want to mess with us at Roto Experts. We are the mark of fantasy excellence right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez. They call me the spitting statistician, the king, Scott Angle, and the all-in kid who always shoves his chips into the middle of the table. I'm talking about Jake Seely. Hey, Scott, you were incredulous to hear that the people on our poll you know, thought that Major League Baseball should not mandate the use of bullpen cards. Well, people have responded. You move the needle, Scott, and right now, 54% of us now agree with you and I that we should use these bullpen cards. Jake, I didn't get your take on this. We were talking about how Sean Doolittle says he likes the bullpen cart. I was thinking they need to mandate this one for pace of play, two for kind of fan engagement, and it's kind of cool. Scott and I both kind of waxed poetic about this from our childhood seeing this. And and, you know, there's a nostalgia piece, too. Jake, are you a fan of the bullpen cards?
5: I couldn't care less either way, honestly. If you want to use them, you want to use them. If you don't, don't I, I honestly have zero opinion on them.
3: Jake yeah. doesn't yeah. care about the bullpen Jake, cards. Jake, Jake, Jake
5: didn't a, miss me
2: yeah, yesterday. Yeah. All I mean, right. He's Jake a, he's a
3: big stick in the mud today. You know, it's, you know, that... That's who How he is am I sticking them up because I don't have a bullpen when we're cart? I don't care. On nah, I don't care. Jake, you usually it, have an speeds up, on it speeds up the play, play, pace of the game by it, five it, seconds. It, like, do you really it, think it's,
2: reducing it's, mountain it's, visits to six a game is going to change much?
3: No. So what is bullpen it's, carts going to do? Cool to look. It's it's very cool to look at too. You know, it's like you know, remember when they think they used to have bullpen carts that looked like baseball hats with wheels? It's very cool.
5: Okay, if you need to Come be on, Jake, entertained cool. by little gimmicks on the field when you go to Jake, baseball cool. games, Scott think they, about minor you, league baseball though. They gimmicks. do this. I mean, t-shirt So you're not cannons. supposed to have fun when you go to the ballpark
3: between the t-shirt yeah. cannons, Jake. I said if you, you got need the gimmicks. If you guys need gimmicks, the then sausage you guys sausage gimmicks. Race.
2: All right, you're just. I'm here. saying, you're not for
3: me, but from the average fan. It's it's still cool, but look, you know, if you want to, you want to have a stick up your butt. You know, that's that's your call. No, Ooh,
2: look at Scott get the last word. If you
5: want to say I'm being a stick up my ass, well then you need gimmicks and crappy stuff at a baseball game. Listen, I don't nice. I don't need gimmicks, but look, baseball's not as <laughs> popular as it used to be.
3: Okay, it's well, not you taken don't, to if the you game. Don't dis- if do things to make the you game agree. more fun. No, if you, do, do you do don't think to make you don't the game more fun. Jake thinks if strand rate agree, and babip agree, is what fine. makes
2: games more fun, baby, and yeah. that's what it comes to.
3: He's like Ronis. He's like, sit in your seat, use a scorecard, and don't have any other fun. Yep, because that's exactly what, what I like said.
5: Keep putting words in my mouth. Fair enough. You know. help out with today, Scott? Hey Jake, What's you that? know what I thought? Wait, well, what did Jake, what did Jake ooh, say? You can't let it lie, I, Scott. Go ahead. Go ahead. What was I that said, last we'll thing you how, said, Jake? I said we'll see how many edits I help out with today. What ooh, does that have ooh, to do with? Ooh. What does that have to do with ooh. what I just said? End there.
2: End scene. End scene. All right, let's move now to our Roto-Cleo game. I wasn't here yesterday, okay? I'll tell you what, I would have had something to say about Jake going back to the J.D. Martinez well. But this is the first time he has selected J.D. Martinez, and he did not deliver for Jake. Jake did, however, get a win from Garrett Cole. He continues to be... uh, You know, head and shoulders ahead of Scott and I. He's got 17 points. But Scott, I closed the gap on you. I wasn't here. Jake reminded me to put my picks in, and I went two for two, getting a save out of Kenley Jansen and a hit. From Trey Turner. So right now, Scott, you and I are tied. You got a W, Scott, yesterday out of Caleb Smith. Big shout out to J-Rod, who continues to play with us, Roto Cleo. Unfortunately, he was unsuccessful yesterday. Let us start with, uh, we'll start with Jake. Jake, where are you going offensively? You going back to the J.D. Martinez as well, or are you hopping no. off this time?
5: No, I told you I was going to keep doing it until he failed me. Until he doesn't, and now that is – today
2: is that day. He he failed me. Now now he's
5: going to pick Aaron Judge, so. (laughs)
2: Where are you going, Jake, offensively today?
5: Again, they – the game is to win. So I am going with somebody who I, I like his last name for multiple reasons. One, because it kind of sounds like Plinko. Second, it also kind of <laughs> sounds like he gets, he gets Plunkto. So I'm going with Chris Bryant to attack Adam Plutko deep, who gave up three home runs on the six or seven hits he did in his first start out. Like, all the runs came off solo shots. So it's Chris Bryant to get a good, a good one off Plunko. Right, it is Plunko, but I like Plunko.
2: Jake going with a little Chris Bryant offensively. Scott, where are you going? What hitter you like today?
3: Well, not obviously as much as Chris Bryant, but I'll take uh, I'll take Wilmer Flores. You know, going tonight against against uh, Dan Straley, who is has like a like a one ninety six ISO against uh, right-handed batters, gives up a lot of fly balls. The weather should be better at City Field tonight. Uh, Wilma Flores is always good against lefties. I think the Mets take the series tonight. I'm going to go with Wilma Flores
2: fair enough that is Scott going Wilma Flores listen I'm kind of on the Jake side with this you play to win the game like Herm Edwards once said I like my new strategy I'm going with hits I'm going conservative offensively I look at these Houston Astros one of the best offenses in all of baseball they are at home they are against Jeff Samarja who is pitching to over a 6 ERA I saw a piece recently also about Jose Altuve the average the on base percentage is still there the power however Is not as much this year. The power numbers are down. I do think, though, he gets on base and gets a hit. Give me uh, Jose Altuve to get a hit today. You guys have reminded me that we do this snake draft style, so that means I will continue on the hill today. I like, I agree with you, Scott. I do think the Mets get the W today. I'm going chalky. We talked about this DFS, but once again, you play to win the game. I'm going with Jacob DeGrom today for the Metropolitans. I think he gets the quality start. I'm only gambling two points today because I want to just inch myself up. Second place sounds well, a lot yeah, better than Well, yeah, you weren't
5: third. here yesterday, Dan. Can you I believe Tommy Pham let you down on an 0 for 4. I know. I know. Tommy Pham goes 0
2: for 4. The man's hitting like 320, and the the Cardinals put up like seven runs that game. You know, Tommy Pham hurts me. Also, I mentioned it to you yesterday. I had Bueller going, right, but I had him for the win. He goes seven innings, gives up only one run. If I had the quality start, I would have been golden. But uh, I thought I was in position there with Pham and Bueller, and I strike out. That's why I'm trying to inch the ball up the hill, Jake, at this point. Smart thank you, sir. I appreciate your respect of my Mensa. where are you going uh Scott where are you going uh
3: I'm, I'm not going the- I'm not going with to de who's chalk tonight uh, yeah, that's fine. David Price always pitches well against the Rays uh their hitters have a combined one sixty average against him uh he pitched very well good command uh I don't know if a lot of people in DFS are going to go with price either. I think they're still worried about the carpal tunnel. But, you know, I think he stopped playing Fortnite, so I'm going to go with him. There you go. You're going David Price.
2: Let's bring it on home, Jake. You have a lead to maintain. But here's the other thing, Jake. Remember, with J-Rod and others who are playing, we we are giving away exclusive edge packages if anybody can beat all three of us for the week. So, Jake, we are relying on you because of, you know... Uh, Gallo, Gonzalez, and Cole, you're well, out that, for a nice spot. So start. that was the other
5: thing, Dane, you missed out we on. We need I was the, you. I was, the, I was the first of us until you did it yesterday, two days in a row, that had a hit on both. Hit. hit. Yeah,
2: I see a lot of green highlights yeah. in a row. Oh, I know Jake I'm is feel, hot. I'm
3: feeling, I'm feeling left out here, but maybe it's because, you know, I don't go with guys like J.D. Martinez.
2: No, that's absolutely losing, viable. Going. There's yeah, different strategies here. You know, you want to be aggressive. I, I, I respect that. And so when you pop, you'll be able to climb very quickly. Jake and I are taking a different approach, different strokes for different folks. I do appreciate, J- uh, cool. Jake, however, you are keeping us, you know, you're keeping us in the red, So uh, in the black, so we're not giving away edge packages just yet. Bring it on home, Jake. Where are you on the hill tonight?
5: Yeah, so no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to take the super obvious Justin Verlander because I'm looking right. at the early slate. Uh, I, you know what? There's a couple here, like Lester, but I don't trust the Indians' offense not going crazy against Lester, given what's happened, especially yesterday. So this is actually a great matchup today, a game I'm kind of interested in. But I do think because the Royals are so poor on the road, I'm going to take Michael Waka Waka Waka, even though Waka Waka Waka. Are... waka. Junis is on the other side, but I still think he gets the win. Okay, so there you have it,
2: okay? Um, We got Waka and Bryant for Jake Seeley. We got myself, I'm going, Altuve and DeGrom. And Scott trying to dig a little bit deeper in the crates. And he's going Wilmer Flores. And, uh, you know, he's going to try and, you know, he's going to make this point every day. That if he is losing, it is only because he is risking more and going off script. Trying to help you, the listener, of Roto Experts in the Morning. I'm with Jake and my man Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. Hello. Uh That's what it is. Hey, Bavona, I think we have that bump. As well, we maybe need to get a little hello, you play to win the game, a little they are who we thought they were, a little playoffs involved here in Roto Experts in the morning. All right, guys, um, up next. On the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, one of the best shows out there in the morning, we got Carton and Friends. They do it up. It is Craig Carton. It is our guy, the fantasy executive, Corey Parson, who deals with the plantar fasciitis every time. And also Michelle Serpico. They bring it. They bring the heat. They pack heat. It's like an inconvenient truth, the way they bring the heat every day, the three of them, Michelle, Corey, and Craig. Carton and Friends, 9 to 1 on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And uh, I believe, do we have Corey Parsons with us? Yes, yes, you do. Uh, Yes,
0: you do. Good morning, ladies. How's everything going this morning? Glad to be on the program. Now, I want to get you guys' answer from our challenge yesterday of our Carton and Friends Fantasy Football League. Want to see if you all gentlemen are going to make sure that you participate because we currently have all three of you guys' names on on the list. So, Dane, let's start with you. This is going to be a 12-team PPR redraft. There is a $1,000 entry fee.
2: Uh, You know, I'm down. Yeah, you yeah. got me. You going to spot me at that? You can spot me a G, Corey? We
0: are going to get you covered. Uh, you know, we got that you got to have 500 in cash on draft day and then you get up until week 16 around Christmas to get the other $500 in. That's
2: intriguing to me. That's intriguing to me. You could put me down as probable.
0: Ah, uh, uh, So there you go. You're down. <laughs> you're down as probable. Craig is shaking his head. We need a definite spitting speeds.
2: All right, count me in.
0: All right. So you go. Let's go to the King Scott. angle. Scott. Um, what do we got, Scott? Are you, you ready to get down and um, show off your fantasy football skills or you want to get beat down by the fantasy executive again are you going to be in our league, uh, Mr. Engel?
3: Yeah, I'm glad to teach you how to play football again. You would, is, you're losing record against me and not making the playoffs in two years in our league. And no, the G- G- that's one you. league, Scott. All right, yeah. so cool. So Scott, that's the most important league record. That, no, that's not that's not years. the most
0: important league. Scott, and I have more important. Okay, the leagues most than important
3: that. record is you're five and fifteen against me all time. So all right, move on. and
0: then the, the, in the yeah. game that we played that had the most stakes on the line, I beat you. All right, so let's move on to the all-in. K- I won J-T. the title
3: in our most important league.
0: Now, Jake, you're not you're not in, you're not in New York City area. Jake, but when we discussed the league, the first name that came up as a guy that would be uh, have a target on their back would be Jake Seeley because of your dominance and accuracy. Jake, are you down?
5: Mm, uh, I would love to take yet another title and put more money in my bank account, but the problem is uh, we need to talk to Lou and see if he's going to back me because otherwise I don't have the funds.
0: All right, so there you go right there. So we got to get Lou on the phone to see uh, what's the deal with the all-in kid, Jake Seeley.
2: <laughs> yeah, if Lou wants to sponsor my squad too. Uh, you're like uh, yeah, Corey, said we get the same Craig's...
3: thing. I think he's gonna back. He's gonna be asked to back everybody.
2: Scott, it's
0: three, three things I, I pay for: Scott, my children, fantasy football, and don't worry about the third. Can we get Craig's <laughs> mic on? He has. He has. Um, he has. He wants to take part in this.
3: That's obviously not clothing. <laughs> What's
0: going on, Craig? No, it's not. How you I'm feeling? With you. From
2: one attractive bald man to another, Craig. How you doing this morning?
0: It's, it's, t- turn his mic on. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> there you go. There Are you we go. on here not? Yeah. Can you hear yeah, me? I got
2: you, Craig. How you doing? Nice. Yeah, this is great. Dave Martinez. I said one attractive bald man to another. How you doing this I'm fine doing order?
7: great. L- listen, you're you're you guys talk trash. It's part of the part of the fantasy world. Uh, everyone talks smack. Everyone's better than everyone else. It's very simple. You got up until uh, the end of August to come up with a nickel, and then Christmas the other nickel. And you're the in or you're out. You know we're not we're not waiting for Lou to come up with money. Lou ain't got nothing to do with this. This is mano a mano. This is a trash talking league. You either got the goods or you don't. I don't. You got to go out to the supermarket with a cup. Go ahead and raise the money. But you're either in or I, out. That's the only
5: way I'm getting it, Craig. I can tell you that right now. I'll you're the you're you the know. guy.
7: You make all this money in DFS. Now it's time to put it up. Let's go.
2: It is time to put your money where your mouth is, says the man, Craig Carton. You can count the spitting statistician, the stable genius, and the vocal minority. I'm in your league, brother man.
7: That's right. Angle in. Sealy, in or out?
2: As of today, I literally don't have the money, so I'm out then. You're out. Good.
7: That takes one guy out. Another pretender for the throne.
5: Hey, what are you guys talking about on the show today, Craig? I, I'm a realist. Electricity comes first, Craig. <laughs> hey pretender. Uh-huh.
7: Listen, you could win eight thousand dollars if you take first place. Here's unless you're bucks for- gonna let
5: me unless you're gonna let me free roll, I don't have the money. No, I can't No no I can't free do. rolls
7: here. There's no handouts in the in the trash talking league.
2: All right, fair enough. That's another episode of roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Keep it locked, though. Carton and friends, Fantasy Executive Michelle Serpko right there on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. See y'all tomorrow,
3: guys.